morning, everyone. It is more than an honor and a blessing to be with you all. I cannot tell you how good it feels to see a prosperous congregation. Um, that song, Before the Lord's Supper, I think that was the first time I've ever heard that song. But it hit me hard, you know? It really did. Before we begin, I would like to say a prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thou art worthy to be praised forever. We thank you so dearly for your Holy Son, who gave his life on that cross so that we might have life. I want to ask for your blessing upon this congregation as they have recently suffered a loss, and that you will comfort those who must bear that burden. I pray that you will be with our hearts and our minds this morning, that your word will edify us and strengthen us and guide us along the prosperous path of glory. Please forgive us for any sins that be in our lives and strengthen us in the ways of repentance. We ask these things in your Holy Son's name. Amen. Amen. This morning... I chose to focus a lot on our generation as Christians, especially considering the youth with the Bible Bowl. Please know that what you're doing is very important. Having to memorize scripture, being ready to take the test. As a man in school right now, I know firsthand it is not easy, but know that it is well worth it. I heard a song that reminded me of you. In fact, it reminded me of the Church of Christ as a whole, of the body. It said, now the wind, now a voice that carries. We know the one this time. Now a breath, now a name I'm calling. Yours is the one this time. We are the ones this time. We studied the brothers and sisters that came before us in the scriptures to become better Christians, but we are the ones this time. The greatest ploy is ployelessness, no purpose in life. Men scream from mountaintops, God, what am I here for? Then they look everywhere but in God's word for the answer. Church, you are blessed with a burden because you know your purpose. And it's greater than any purpose given among men. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You may hear me say that multiple times this morning. I think it needs to be said. Emphasis needs to be put on that truth. In the Old Testament, there was the Levitical priesthood. You are the New Testament priesthood. You are the body of Christ. Men's purposes, purposes affect neighborhoods, cities, states, even countries. Your purpose affects the entire world, eternity, our eternity, and those that we come in contact with. This morning we're going to consider some of those purposes and what they mean for us as the body of Christ. If you will, open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to consider three points this morning 
as we look at the purpose, our individual purpose as Christians and as the body. To better understand these purposes, we will use three points. We are the ones that must stand against the archenemy of mankind this time. Our second point, we are the ones who must die this time. And our third point, we are the ones that shall be judged this time. Our first point, we are the ones that must stand against the arch enemy of mankind this time. We know what an enemy is. Someone who is opposed or against something or someone. Well, the one we are going to discuss this morning can rightfully be called the arch enemy, our arch enemy. Synonyms for that word arch are chief, prominent, foremost. He is the chief, prominent, foremost enemy of all human souls. He is extremely opposed or against, not just against, but extremely opposed or against not only mankind, but God, the arch enemy of righteousness. This can be none other than Satan, the devil. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me, please. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. He is called the accuser of mankind, Revelation 12.10. In his efforts to accuse Job, he, he said, Do it, Job, fear God for not. He tells God, Job fears you for nothing, in vain. You've got a hedge around him. You've blessed the work of his hands. Bring suffering into his life, and he will curse you to your face. Job 1, 9 through 12. We can be encouraged knowing Job endured Satan's attacks and overcame those accusations, even when his loved one, his wife, Job 2.9, told him to curse God and die. His friends called him a sinner in need of repentance, Job 5.17. The accuser had a plan for Peter. And just like God knew what Job would do, he also knew that Peter would fail. Jesus told him, Peter, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Luke 22, 31 and 32. Peter did fall as the Lord predicted. He denied the Lord three times when the war for our souls was being manifested before him. Imagine the guilt he felt. Remembering the Lord's words, the scriptures say that Jesus turned and looked right at Peter at that moment, Luke twenty-two sixty-one. But again, we can be encouraged, knowing Peter was converted and redeemed, as the Lord said. And not only was he redeemed, but he went on to preach the first gospel sermon where 3,000 souls were added to the church in Acts 2. But if we rank all the weapons of Satan's arsenal, Lies have to be at the top of the list. The world makes movies and speaks of the devil possessing individuals and hurting people with, with powers. 
Jesus called him the father of lies, John 8, 44. Satan's first attack on mankind was, wasn't making men kill. It wasn't causing men to commit suicide. No, it was the use of a simple lie. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Satan added one word. Ye shall not surely die. Genesis 3, 4. And so began the saga of blood and faith to the redemption of mankind. Church, we are the ones this time. The enemy is still accusing today. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. 2 Timothy 4, beginning at verse 1. I've begun a file. I call it the enemies of Christ. Within that file is an article from a man named David Stewart. He gives the plan of salvation with scriptures. But above it, he has in bold writing, danger, the church of Christ cult. The church of Christ is a false church. They require good works for salvation. The church of Christ is just as dangerous as Catholicism, Jehovah's Witness, or the Mormons. Because they claim to be Christians, but they are not. We are the ones this time. The enemy is still using the most powerful weapon in his arsenal, lies. Regardless of the fact they have made legal homosexual marriage, homosexuality will never be okay in the eyes of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. It is a lie of the enemy. There's a movie called The Purge, often spoken of, that is literally about death. If you haven't seen it, I don't recommend you make any effort to. Most People say they hope to God the things that happen in, th in that movie, in those movies, never happens. But church, I submit to you this morning that we have been purging since the Roe vs. Wade trial. You may know the stats. There have been an estimated 1.6 million abortions a year performed since it was legalized in 1973. That's approximately 4,380 three abortions a day. We have aborted more babies than the total number of soldiers killed in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan combined. Church, we are the ones this time. Regardless of what we must stand against the accuser, the father of lies, how? You may ask. The only way we can, we must boldly proclaim and live God's word. Look at verses 1 through 4 of Timothy with me. I charge, thee I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables in season when they want to hear it, out of season when they don't want to hear it. This is not just for preachers, everyone. 
You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. We need to live and stand just as firm as those who came before us. Peter's, um, excuse, Paul said in Acts 20, 26 and 27, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We are not just trying to convert, but trying to warn, in, warn individuals about the horrors of an eternal hell. Brother Bland said something the other day in class that I thought just fit perfectly there. He said, if one man was guilty of blood in the body of Christ, if he failed to take the opportunity when it came up to help save a soul, how about two in a congregation? How about three? How about an entire congregation? We are the ones this time, church. They stood in their day. We must stand now. Our second point. We are the ones that must die this time. Now, I know you may be saying, preacher, what do you mean, die? Open your Bible with me to Luke 9, 23, please. Luke 9, 23. We're going to notice verses 23 and 24. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. Church, we know that the cross is an instrument of death. But Christ is not speaking specifically about physical death. However, it is not an exception if standing for Christ means that I must give my life, then I have a decision to make. And that decision may decide my eternal destination. But this is just as much about daily life as it is about life and death itself. You may have heard this analogy or something similar of the battle between, or the inner battle between good and evil. An older man and a younger man. The older man tells the younger man, I have a war going on within me. Two lions are fighting. One of them represents good, the other represents evil, or one represents the flesh, the other represents the spirit. And the young man says, which one will win? He says, the one that I feed. As the body of Christ, each of us members thereof, we must die to the sinful nature of this world. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 6, 10 and 11. While studying recently, I came across a word that I did not know existed in the King James Version of the Bible. But I found it so interesting because it's usually used in negative connections, bad situations. 1 Corinthians 16.15 I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Addicted. I didn't know that word existed in the King James Version. But what an honor to have Paul 
say that they were addicted to the service of the church. We are the ones this time, church. A deacon at Forest Hill by the name of Erwin Thomas spoke to me the other night. He said, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys dedicating yourself to preaching the gospel. And I told him I appreciated that. And I also told him that I was thankful for all that he does at Forest Hill. He said, I don't do anything. I don't do nothing. I, you know, I was shocked. I was puzzled by his answer. I said, what, what do you mean? You're always here whenever events are taking place, serving at the Lord's table, encouraging evangelism, helping with fellowship. He said, man, I just love being with the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, just because you enjoy the work you do in the body of Christ doesn't change the fact that you are working in the body of Christ. Never reduce anything you do in the church to being just routine or mediocre. Every hand is needed and every voice is helpful. If you did one thing evil, would we not make a big deal about it in the presence of all? Why is sin given so much recognition? But righteousness, treated as average. Brother Irwin said, I love being with the church. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. We should love being with the church. We should love serving because his burden is easy. He's only telling us to love one another as well as the lost and do all we can to obey the Father. Can we become addicted to the ministry of the saints? This is our generation of Christianity. When the books are open, what would they say about us? We are the ones this time. For our final point this morning, we are the ones that shall be judged this time. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 28. Hebrews 10, verse 28. I think one of the saddest things in the world is the loss of a soul when it doesn't have to be that way. Have you ever noticed that the lost have no peace in death? Men give their last breath chasing riches and still perish without ever finding any peace. Those who accept the lies of Satan, evolution, design came from chaos, agnostics. God exists, but we can't know him. Denominationalism, there are many bodies, but still one head. All of these are destined to stand before the God who was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, and afterward received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3.16. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, is it not? No more grace. No more excuses. 
But what about us? What about those of us who have obeyed the gospel, but we fail to help strengthen the body or reach out to the lost or obey God's word? We are the ones this time, church. Look at verses 28 and 30 with me, 28 through 30. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who had trodden underfoot the Son of God and had counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and had done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that had said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. That is us, church. That should strike fear in the heart of any wayward Christian. But to the faithful, he says, to you who are troubled, rest with us. 2 Thessalonians 1.7. When, when he, Jesus Christ, shall be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day, verse 10. Brothers and sisters, stay faithful. Stay prayerful. You belong to God. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. So that means in sickness and in health until death brings us closer, you belong to God. If you are here this morning and you haven't coveted the gift of salvation only available in Christ, don't wait another day. You've taken the first step by being here. You've heard the gospel that Christ came, lived, and died for our sins. Romans 10, 17. Believe it, John 8, 24. Repent of the past sinful life. Luke 13, 3. Confess his name in the presence of man. Matthew 10, 32. And be baptized for the remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. And the Lord will add you to his body. If you are a member and you've been forsaking your purpose and your service to Christ, we all fall sometimes. Or desire prayer for anything in life, please come now as together we stand and sing.